This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 878 years ago today, a man named Bernardo was elected Pope Eugene III. And later this afternoon, a different man named Bernardo could ascend to Manchester City sainthood. It's Wednesday, the 15th of February. I'm Andrew Detmer. I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekko. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. Welcome back to another episode of the City Report podcast. And yes, indeed, today, Bernardo Silva and the rest of the Blues take on Mikel Arteta's Arsenal in what some have called the biggest match of the season. And Ali, are you as excited as I am to see this match finally occur? Not remotely, mate. I have, I'm have. i actually quite averse to big games, to be honest. I, whenever I go to Old Trafford for an away game there, I sit there nervous. Even if we end up a couple of goals up, I am the same for the big Champions League ties, the ties in the past against Liverpool. And it's pretty much a similar feeling tomorrow, to be honest. I'm looking forward to the occasion, as I always am, but these things are just nerve-wracking, to be honest. So you're telling me you were sitting there when uh, City gave up those quick two goals against United earlier in the season. You were like, oh, here, this is when the, 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 uh, the fall starts and we're going we're gonna to draw this match. Do you know what? This season was the first time in a few years that I've missed an away trip to Old Trafford. Um, probably chose the right time to do it. But if anyone from the club is listening, having me in the stands at Old Trafford is clearly the good luck charm that we need because I don't remember when I last saw us lose there, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, a couple of tickets next season will be fantastic, guys. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on sorting that for you. So uh, in the first part of this, we're going to talk <laughs> about the uh, match and a little bit of a broader scheme um, some of the the narratives of the season so far and the narratives around both 
clubs. And then in part two, we're going to look at the match a little bit more specifically. And so, Ali, first up, you know, the, the talking point that I feel like has been on every single pundit's lips this season, particularly when one of them performs well, is that it was such a mistake for City to let Zinchenko and Jesus go to Arsenal and that that's the reason that Arsenal are this threat to City's Premier League dominance this season. What what do you think about that? Um, I was sad to see both of them go. Uh, of the three that did leave, or at least the three high-profile departures of Zinchenko, Jesus and Sterling, it's the two that did go to Arsenal that I would have wanted to keep. Was it a mistake? No, probably not. Uh, going forward, we've definitely got enough. I think Zinchenko is the biggest regret for me. Not not necessarily because of Zinchenko's qualities, which we do, of course, we you know we miss. We miss a player like that. He's got leadership. He's he's, he's emotional. He's passionate. He rallies the guys. And and obviously with the strife that he's been through with regards to his home country over the last few months. There was a lot of emotionally charged atmosphere around Zinchenko. The mistake was not replacing him, right? The mistake was not saying to Zinni, listen, you can go once we've got somebody in. That was the mistake. On his own merit, while we do miss certain qualities, at the end of the day, he is not good enough to have a sustained career at the elite level as a left-back. That, for me, is the top and bottom of it. He's quite questionable defensively. Going forward, I think he's wonderful. Um, Ultimately, he's not quite up to scratch. The problem is we've replaced a good left-back with no left-back. In fact, the other guy that was our primary makeshift left-back has now followed him out the door six months later. So um, I I would never say it's a mistake to let him go because we are... Ultimately, we don't hold anyone hostage. If we let someone go, it's because they wanted to go. I think it's a bigger mistake to hold on to somebody that wants to leave. You know, Bernardo, Bernardo, bless him, has wanted to go for a couple of years now, as, as well, we're led to believe. And he's still here. He's putting in the hard yards. He is a professional. Maybe a little bit of a wobble in his form this season. But if he left, we can't count it as a mistake. He wanted to go. If we get the right price, they go. No different for Zinni and Jesus. They're doing really well at Arsenal. Obviously, Jesus had an injury for a while. Um, Zinni was out himself a little bit earlier in the season. But when they've played, they've done well. I, I wish them all the best, just without a Premier League title to the name, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I think you really hit the nail on the head on a couple of points to me that frustrate me around this discussion. Is It's not as if City shoved Zinchenko and Jesus out the door because they didn't want them, right? Um, City in the past had tried to get Zinchenko to leave to various clubs. I believe at one point Wolves wanted him, at another point I think Napoli wanted him. Both times he didn't want to leave yet, but clearly for a variety of reasons, and maybe it was that you know he collected several trophies and had really developed and felt confident in who he was as a player, and he thought, all right, now it's time for me to go and play somewhere where I am one of the main guys. And I think you can see that in Arsenal this season, that what he has brought to that side has been incredibly important. He just shoved Kieran or Kieran Tierney right out of the lineup. And that's no small feat. I mean, he was a, a quality Premier League left back. And so 
Good on Zinchenko for doing that. And I don't, like you said, hold any ill will against him for leaving, but it was his choice. And, you know, similarly, I, I think that it was unlikely that once City signed Holland that Gabriel Jesus was going to want to stick around the club. But if he'd wanted to stay and, you know, said, look, I think I can really play a complimentary role or whatever, I, I don't know that that wasn't on the table for him. And so if he wanted to go and the money was right, I think that's perfectly fine. And there's also, I think, a bit of revisionism here in that no one would have expected Arsenal to be in the position they are when Zinchenko and Jesus joined the joined the side. And so to say, oh, well, selling to Arsenal was a mistake because it let them be this. There are so many factors going in Arsenal's favor this season that wouldn't have been necessarily predictable that to me, I, I struggle to say, you know, one, that it was a mistake because it was the right call for City to make, but also none of the information that, you know, we have now was available to City at that point in time. It's it's not only that. At the end of the day, you look at our squad and you look at Arsenal's squad. Hindsight is twenty twenty, But nobody back in August was looking at that Arsenal squad and looking at the City squad with the additions that we had and saying, right, if you take Zinchenko and Jesus out of that City squad and put them into the Arsenal squad, all of a sudden you've got an inferior City squad that won't win the title and a superior Arsenal squad that will win the title. We have to face reality here and it might hurt come May. Arsenal are still the underdogs. We do have a better squad than them. We have a more experienced squad than them, which I know we are going to talk about in in a minute with, with regards to youth and experience. But... Those two are not the differences between our squad, right? Those two do not close the gap. If we do not win the title this season, if we lose it, if we lose out to Arsenal, that is our own fault, and that is not the fault of Chicky in the boardroom for selling Jesus and Zinchenko. The funny thing is about Zinchenko, by the way, you mentioned uh, pushing out Kieran Tierney out of the squad. Um, Tierney's made of glass. I think that's why Zinchenko's <laughs> kicked him out of the squad. The a lot of the early reports about Zinni's transfer were that he was going to Arsenal to get regular game time in his natural position as a number eight further up the pitch. As soon as Tierney got injured again, Zinchenko ended up left back. And now Arteta's got the same issue as Pep in that he's playing so well at left back. He can't, he doesn't dare disrupt the balance and move him further up the pitch. So a penny for Zinni's thoughts. Um, I suspect he's happy with regular game time, but he kind of was getting that city anyway. Um, So that's a really weird one. But, yeah, listen, hindsight is great and all the social media doom merchants and rage baiters are going to be talking about, you know, cheeky out, what a horrendous transfer, blah, blah, blah. It ain't his fault. If we win the league, those two were not the difference. The difference was a City side that has dropped off in form and consistency and an Arsenal side that has pushed themselves to the very limit. Nothing else. A- absolutely. And you you alluded to it, but the one of the, I think... If you were look at these two sides in the title race, you have, and Pep even alluded to it, you've got the the hunger and the the youth of uh, Arsenal's very inexperienced squad versus City maybe is a little less hungry, but it's full of guys that have won lots of titles and lots of awards and lots of games. And now we're, I mean, it's a neck and neck title race. So for you, what do you, what do you make of that? Do you, does Arsenal have the advantage because in this packed season, the young guys who don't 
know what to be afraid of and they're they've got more energy and they've got more hunger that's going to win out or do you lean more to if it's a tight neck title race and arsenal don't get out ahead and the pressure's on you want the side of guys that city have that have been there in a tight title race and know what it's like to have to win 16 matches in a row to walk away with the title i think no matter what happens tomorrow you would still always rather have our experience and some of the giants of the game that we've got, Haaland, De Bruyne, etc. Um, close friend of mine, an Arsenal fan, he he reckons, and he's probably right, he thinks of Arsenal's team, Saka is the only one that gets into the strongest City eleven, And he might well be right. The thing is, we can't overstate how big tomorrow is. Because no matter the experience that we've got, and no matter the inexperience that they have, if Arsenal win tomorrow, not only will they be six points ahead with a game in hand, so potential to extend that to nine, they will also be... The the, the air of perhaps invincibility over the course of a title race that we've currently got, uh, and I hope it haunts Liverpool fans... But that air of invincibility that we've got might start to uh, might start to disintegrate a little bit. If Arsenal win tomorrow, I think we've got a big problem because they are going to be like, you know what? They've come to ours. They come to our ground as such a key part of the season. We've seen them off. We've beaten them. Now it's the home straight. If we beat them that's an enormous psychological blow to them because it's completely the opposite. This team of giants have come to our house, taught us a lesson, and, and well, now we've got a problem because we're level on points, the pressure's on for that game in hand, and they're going to be looking at that fixture at the Etihad in April thinking we've got a hill to climb now because we've got to open up a three-point gap minimum before we go back to the Etihad. Tomorrow is absolutely enormous. I would probably take a draw at a stretch because we have that home leg to come. But if either side wins it tomorrow, I would probably go as far as saying they will go on and win the league. So I I, I get a lot of what you're saying and I, I think there's some merit in it. But I think, you know, if you had asked me prior to the FA Cup match how I viewed this match i would have said that this match was a must win for city like no other result was going to keep them in the title race because at that point arsenal had this air this aura of kind of they kept winning matches they they weren't dropping points they were playing well and they had opened up this advantage but now you've got they lose in the fa cup match they lose to everton they draw to Brentford. I think the narrative is entirely flipped. And for City, I think a draw or a win is perfectly acceptable. But I think for Arsenal, this is now a must not lose. Because I think you're right, at least with regards to Arsenal, both from the fan standpoint and the team, that it could be a massive blow to them if City walk out of the match with three points. But if... City lose, 
I don't know that it completely, in my opinion, changes everything, but it definitely is an interesting, um, it, it sets up a much more interesting narrative, I think, than where we were going to be at prior to Arsenal finally having this drop in form. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with a lot of what you said, but I do feel if, if they win it, with the other two competitions we've got going on on and the boost that it will give them, and perhaps a bit of a knockback on our progress over the last few days, I, I just can't shake that feeling. I think if we draw, it's still wide open. I think if we win, it will hit them so hard, it'll just completely knock them for six. If they win, I think the gap, when you factor in their game in hand and the momentum it'll give them and the confidence it'll give them. Uh, I'm going to stick by what I said, to be honest. I, I think if there is a winner tomorrow night, I think that team will go on to win the title. Uh, and the fixture in April might not even come into play by them. Well, that's a, a great way to end part one. And stay tuned for a moment. We'll be back in part two to talk about the match in a few more specifics. Welcome back to part two of the City Report podcast. Please, if you haven't already, take the time to review and rate us on whatever platform you listen to. Follow us across social media platforms at City Report Pod and tell a friend because, you know, we want to grow this family and we want more people to hear us. And if you like us, you should uh, want your friends to hear us as well. So, Ali, we've already played Arsenal this season, just not in the league, thanks to uh, you know, the weird confluence of events that have been this season. Um, but so we do know a little bit about this side. And based on that, what do you want to see City carry over from the FA Cup match, if anything, into this match? Was there any kind of tactic or any part of the, the lineup? Or, I mean, I, I don't know that any of us wanting to carry the performance over because I don't think it was the world's greatest performance. But is, is there anything that City should take from that and use uh, to craft their it, tactics towards Arsenal? Uh, I'm just looking back at the lineup now, and we probably had our front six right. So De Bruyne, well, I can't Rodri in here, but De Bruyne, Rodri, Gundogan, Mares, Haaland, Grealish, uh, Rico was in there. Um, I love Rico. I know him personally. I will always back for him to start. I believe in the kid. Um, Stones obviously won't be fit. Akanji, Ake. I, I would like us to. I think I'd like us to go with the lineup that we had uh, the other day against. Oh my god, my mind's just gone blank. We Villa review. That's the one. <laughs> Villa. It's been a busy, busy Monday and Tuesday. Um, yeah, I would like us to start with that lineup again. I don't think we can replace what Diaz gives us, and Laporte is the next best option when you consider that Stones is out. Um, we also actually had Ortega in there. Obviously, that needs to be Edison. Um, yeah. Lineup-wise, I think it's probably got to be unchanged from Villa. Chucking Bernardo. Would you, would the, you go with the uh, basically Bernardo kind of playing left back, or would you go with Ake at left back, which is no, more go, of what Pep did in the FA Cup? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with Bernardo. I'd go with Bernardo. We Bernardo's role was invaluable because he is unbelievable against a high press, which Arsenal will employ. He's an excellent outball for the defence. He was almost that transition between defence, midfield and kind of KDB in the eight that we've really missed. I think a lot of our form when we struggled was because we've not had that extra body in midfield. I know we did use Rico there, but the system was a little unfamiliar. Chancelo didn't really fit. I just feel that that first half against Villa was the most fluid we've been 
from back to front. Um, and defensively as well. Listen, Bernardo's a workhorse. When he's on it, and he usually is on it, there's there's very few better players. So I, I would like us to continue that. In terms of actual takeaways from the game, I'm not sure we can. Um, Arsenal didn't put out their strongest 11, which is pretty set. Um, I know we're going to get on to the Arsenal 11 soon, but in, in terms of how the game flowed... Uh, I don't think there are many takeaways, to be honest. I think tomorrow is going to be a completely different game. Um, just take forward that we're always capable of beating a team in a red shirt, as we've proven over the last few years against whoever it happens to be in said red shirt. Absolutely. So one of the things that we discussed in the review of the Villa podcast, or the Villa match, not podcast, uh, was that Holland potentially being injured could throw a spanner in the works for Arteta because he wouldn't know necessarily who to prepare for. We've now seen that Holland was in training. It appears that he got pulled as precaution and should be fit. But for you, who are you going with? Are you, you know, is Holland going to be, you know, if he's fit, he's absolutely going, or are you, you know, going to try to out tactic Arteta and go with Alvarez, or maybe you go with both Alvarez and Holland up there as some kind of a, you know, four, one, you know, three, two or whatever. No, if, if if Haaland's fit, um, as I said, I think we just go with the same eleven that we played against Villa. Um, looking at how Arsenal line up, the only issue with that is obviously we're going to have Saka attacking down our left side, which mm-hmm. might pose problems when we have a makeshift left back. It wouldn't entirely surprise me if we do go with Ake, Diaz, Laporte and Rico, so we can mm-hmm. invert over on Arsenal's left side so our right side, and perhaps leave the gaps there where they're slightly weaker, have Ake covering Saka. Um, Going forward, I I, I would quite fancy Mahrez against Zinchenko. Um, The other alternative might be Foden against Zinni, because I don't think Zinchenko is the fastest. Zinchenko does like to get forward, so we might do well exploiting the gaps. But I mean, I guess I've just kind of put forward an argument for Alvarez again, right? It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be quite hard to predict. The the least surprising lineup would probably be the Villa unchanged, but if we do look to exploit certain areas of the pitch or strengthen certain areas of the pitch to deal with Saka or attack Zinchenko, then that isn't entirely surprising either. Knowing Pep, it will be neither of those three options or two options, and he will go with something completely bonkers, uh, as he likes to do in big games. But um, I think the Arsenal lineup is going to write itself. I think the City lineup will probably write itself, with the little asterisk saying Pep Roulette. Um, Alvarez, I think, is going to have to sit this one out again. Uh, well, at least uh, in, the, in the first opening hour. So it's it's interesting. You you touched on a couple of points there for me that I think when I think through how you set up, I I think that you if I'm Pep, I go with the back three, quote unquote, of Ake, Laporte, Diash, and then push Rico up on the right into midfield. Partially because Walker to me did not look like he was fully ready to go against Villa, and I just. I don't really want to see him in a big game do that, especially if, I mean, if he's not ready to go, we absolutely, I, I just don't want to risk that he is injured or something. Cause that kind of derailed us a little bit after the United match when he picked up that injury. And that's when it felt like Pep got a little bit 
more nervous. And then for me, I think I would start Mares because I thought he played really well against Villa. Um, and the flip side of that being is that if you do want to bring on individuals when Zinchenko and the Arsenal defense are tired, I think Foden and Alvarez are much more likely to be game changers as subs than if you were to, you know, have one of them start at right wing and then bring Mares on. To me, Mares has never been the type of player that I felt confident that, oh, he comes on in the 75th minute and that's really going to change it. To, for me, I think Foden or Alvarez being put in there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I would go Ake, Laporte, Diash, Rico, Rodri, Bernardo, KDB, Mares, Holland, Grealish. Yeah, and I wouldn't have any complaints. I would not have any complaints with that. Saka is a risk. They play a 4-2-3-1 as well. So if we're playing a back three with one floating, it's pretty much four Arsenal versus three City on the break. Or even when we're not in transition, it's going to be at least four Arsenal. You know, Xhaka likes to roam forward. Partey likes to roam forward. We, we might have a numbers issue if we do retain that back three with a floating Bernardo. It depends on our confidence to control the game at the end of the day, though. If Pep is certain that we can dictate the pace of the game, we can dictate possession and tempo, he might be comfortable with that three at the back and then having that extra man in midfield. Um, it's going to be a fascinating tactical battle, and it will all start from the lineups one hour before kickoff. We can talk until we're blue in the face. The, the Arsenal 11 is pretty much set. I think that'll be the standard. I mean, my, my, my pal that I referred to earlier, he said it's just going to be the same 11 that's, that they've had all season, uh, barring Zinchenko. Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Partey and Xhaka in the holding midfield role. Partey and Xhaka also roaming forward. Odegaard sat behind Saka and Ketia and probably Martinelli, although it is possible that Trossard might get a start. I'm not sure. I don't think Martinelli has been uh, blowing the doors off recently. There is also a slight possibility that Tommy Asu will start over Ben White, who also hasn't been wonderful recently. But the 11, or at least the way they set up, writes itself. Whereas with us, it could be a back three, it could be a back four with an inverted left back, could be a back four with an inverted right back, could be 3 4 3, could be 3 5 2 with Alvarez in there. We just don't know. The upshot is that Arteta doesn't know either. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, I just want to see us flow, to be honest, Andrew. My, my greatest fear is that we switch it up again and we have one of those games like against Spurs where we're just not flowing. The, the players aren't, aren't really... There's no seamless transition that we're so used to. There's no press resistance in coming out from the back into midfield and transitioning into the final third. I, however we set up, I'm not bothered. I just hope working from back to front that it... It, it works. And then I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Give us a draw. Give us three points as long as it just works. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the recurring themes of of our review and the show yesterday is that we were all happy to finally see a match where City played well. I mean, to have the amount of XG they did and the amount of chances and that we played really well, it was finally reassuring because City had won some matches but had not really played well in a good period of time. Now, yeah, one totally, thing totally, as you were really, talking sorry, there, just, 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 before, just, just before you finish on there, on, on that point and move us forward, you're right. We've had so many complaints. Like last season, great example. We had a lot of complaints last season. 
one of the main ones that we were quite wasteful in front of goal or that we were cross Chester City and there was nobody waiting in the middle. I would rather have those complaints because they mean that we're getting the ball forward into dangerous positions. The frustration this season has been that we've gone from the most creative team on the planet, and arguably we still are if you look at things like expected threat, expected goals, but there's just been that fluidity missing. And I think a large part of it is down to De Bruyne's form, but a large part of it is due to what seems to be unfamiliarity with the systems that we're employing. I would rather be complaining about profligacy in front of goal or defensive issues than why the fuck can we not get in their box? So as long as we're posing a threat and we look good moving back to front, I'm a happy boy and I think the results will come, whether that is tomorrow or whether it's over the next few weeks. Just get a system where we look good. I think everything else will come just through the quality that we've got on the pitch. Yeah, the the, the last point I was going to make is that I think one of the things that was noticeable to me against Villa was that Pep seemed to unleash Holland a little bit and the players to try to hit that long ball to Holland. But that, of course, does open... City slightly more in transition because you may give the ball away in a more dangerous area where the team is not set. And Villa are certainly no Arsenal when it comes to a team in transition, and they don't have anyone near as talented at Odegaard on hitting some of the balls that he can hit to guys like Saka and Martinelli and Enkedia in transition. So I, I do think it will be interesting to see if Pep is a little bit more tactical and a little bit more restrained in this match um, in regards to how much risk he lets players take in trying to get that over the top or, you know, through ball to Holland to just try to, you know, take advantage of Arsenal's defense. Because I do think actually that defense is there to be taken advantage of. I just wonder if Pep's going to be worried about what happens if the ball doesn't get to Holland and then they can immediately spring on the counter. We, we've got to take the chances, though. I mean, we saw the, the Gundogan goal that Haaland assisted all came through one of those long balls. Haaland's constantly yep. making the runs, and Arsenal are going to press high. We've just got to take... I, I think, in a sense, we don't realise yet <clears throat> just how dangerous Haaland is with these balls. His pace is absolutely off the charts when he gets going in his strength. He's got defenders flailing left, right and centre to try to deal with it. It seems like we did it earlier in the season... And then we kind of tapered off. Uh, We've we, we just got to do it. I, I will accept, personally, the risks that come with it, whether Pep does or not. I don't know. Um, it might be time to bring back the old sweeper roll. <laughs> stick, just stick a, man, stick a man at the edge of the box just in case one of those long balls does come straight back at us. Um, Pep, if you're listening, I know you've got a burner account on Twitter and you're consuming half this content. Maybe don't do that. Um, but... It's a risk that we've got to take, and um, this is also a defence of Edison, by the way, because I know that people have a problem with his perhaps substandard shot stopping. I get that, but there is no better sweeper keeper on the planet than Eddie. Um, mm-hmm. And if we are playing high risk football and we do want to see Harlem more involved with balls going over the top, then Edison is the best man that we can possibly have waiting for one of those to be uh, pinged right back over at us. Absolutely. Can I uh, tempt you into a prediction? My prediction, I said on the Aston Villa review, that was cautiously optimistic for tomorrow. That hasn't changed. I'm going to go with 2-1 to City after we take the lead, Arsenal equalise, and we bag a winner. 
I would have gone with 2-1, but I'm not going to join you on it because that's no fun. So I'm going to go with a, a 3-1 to City because I am uh, very optimistic. And I think this uh, is the match that City and Pep's Blues will retake the narrative and control of this title race. And with that, we will bring this podcast to an end. I hope you've enjoyed it. Again, follow us at City Report Pod on all social media. Um, Give us a rate and review. Tell a friend. We hope you've enjoyed, and we will see you all tomorrow. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.